0: Good morning, Tri-States, and wherever you may be listening on the News Talk 1070 KHMO app or on Facebook Live. Just uh, search On The Mark KHMO on Facebook, and you can tune in there as well. On The Mark is brought to you by Kunis Honda Hyundai. They are your number one Honda and Hyundai dealer in the Tri-State area, 221 North 36th Street in Quincy. But today they got the massive tent sale going on. I know it's rainy and muggy out. But stop by the Quincy Town Center, the former Quincy Mall there on Broadway in Quincy. And they have the big tent set up. You can't miss it right there behind the IHOP. They're doing insane deals today. Uh, last day of the tent sale. Uh, so check it on out. Tell them Mark sent you 221 North 36th Street in Quincy. Faith family giving back that's cutest country. Welcome on into the show. Is uh, you know, as we sit here on a, April 17th, uh, just about a week and a half, two weeks away from the NFL draft. We'll be in the draft and, uh, you know, winding it up actually in about two weeks from now, heading into the weekend par- portion of the draft. Uh, we got a little, some interesting draft storylines we'll talk about. Uh, we got some NFL stuff. We got NBA. We got to look into some big injuries. I want to talk a little baseball. The Dodgers on fire. Uh, but... I got to start the show with the topic that blew up the internet earlier this week in the world of sports, and it's something that I got to get my thoughts on, and that's the retirement of Julian Edelman. So let's get going. Hespin headline number one. Hespins headlines on the mark. So Julian Edelman, Patriots wide receiver, fantastic NFL football player. He retires after 11 years, and this is one of those things where I think we all kind of maybe saw it coming a little bit because in the middle of last season, as the Patriots were battling and scrapping to have a chance to make uh, the playoffs in the seventh seed in the AFC, remember, they got a little run there later as Cam got back from COVID. Uh, Julian Edelman had a selective knee surgery that, remember, at the time, was described as just a knee cleanup. (laughs) And I've had knee surgery. I've I've torn my ACL. And I had uh, all the meniscus cartilage in my left knee had to be removed and they had to, uh, you know, clean up the uh, bone spurs that were tearing up my ACL. And I'll, I'll, let me just say this. There's no such thing as just like, oh, you know, routine clean my knee up surgery. <laughs> surgery, surgery. And especially on a knee for a guy who's had some knee injuries and for a, a slot receiver A year 11 in the league, you just don't get stuff like that and think to yourself, oh, Julian Edelman's going to bounce back. He's going to be okay. He's going to be the Julian Edelman of old. And, you know, there's some speculation that you see on the internet now. Could he be pulling a Gronk? Take a year off, see where his body's at, and then maybe join Brady and those guys for one last ride in Tampa. And that wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, I think personally, I think Julian Edelman's the type of guy that if he says he's done, I think he's done. He's a football player to his core. Uh, He doesn't have the thing like Gronk where it's like, no, just go do your own thing and make some money, do some WWE stuff for a while, and then, you know, come on back to the NFL. I think Julian Edelman will have a very interesting post-football career. I think he's uh, – I could certainly see him getting into the podcast game, sports commentary. He's a very interesting figure. He's been very active with Barstool Sports for a lot of his career. Uh, And so overall, I just want to start this conversation by saying, I think Julian Edelman is an incredible football player and the type of football player that every franchise wants. Julian Edelman is the guy that you hate him when he's not on your team and you would kill for a Julian Edelman on your team. But of course the conversation turns to, so is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? And I have a couple different thoughts on this and I want to try to structure them in a way to to make this flow. So let me just start by saying this. The New England Patriots dynasty and what the New England Patriots have been since Tom Brady in the Tom Brady era of New England is a fascinating case study on what we perceive the NFL and the NFL Hall of Fame to be in itself. The New England Patriots, as it stands right now, only have six players who ever put on a Patriots uniform who are in the Hall of Fame. And so you start saying to yourself, that's a weird thing to think about, right? The New England Patriots have more Super Bowls than anyone. You know, they right up there with uh, the Cowboys and the Steelers and and the Washington football team and the Giants is this prolific franchise, the Niners, with all these Super Bowls. So shouldn't New England have 30, 40 Hall of Famers, all these uh, historically great players, right? But then you start to realize, well, New England, all of their winning happened in the Brady-Belichick era. And New England doesn't have this historic uh, relevancy like a Chicago or a, a or New York football Giants or the Green Bay Packers where the Packers dominated the 60s and the Bears dominated the 30s and the 40s. Uh, the Giants dominated the '50s, and so you have all these all-time greats who make the All NFL 100 team. You know the New England Patriots. Remember, a, a lot of what they were known for pre-Belichick, pre-Brady was the Super Bowl losses, the embarrassing loss to the Chicago Bears in you know the you know Super Bowl 20, and then they lost in, in uh, into the Brett Favre for the Packers in the '90s. But otherwise, New England was just kind of, you know, New England, it did no historical relevancy for New England. So now when we think of New England, us as sports fans here in 2021, New England is football royalty. New England Patriots are, uh, you know, the greatest NFL sports dynasty maybe ever in just the longevity, what they did in a salary cap league Oh, the constant ebbs and flows of the players. And even in the years in the middle where they weren't necessarily winning Super Bowls like they did in the early 2000s and the late teens, they had these incredible runs in 16-0 and they lost in Super Bowls. They were there in Super Bowls. But then if you really break it down, you start to think, well, which players from the New England era, from that 2000 to 2020 run, are Hall of Famers? Well, obviously Brady, obviously Belichick. They are the architects. They are the without a doubt. They are the goats. So, of course, they're in. Well, then you say Rob Gronkowski. He will be a Hall of Famer. Legendary, uh, just physical presence. And he doesn't have the stats of a Tony Gonzalez. But he's got the Super Bowl rings. He's got the big moments. And overall, a lot like Calvin Johnson's career. Even though Calvin Johnson doesn't have the longevity and doesn't necessarily have the Jerry Rice level of stats, and he certainly doesn't have the big playoff wins, the Super Bowl, you look at a guy who's just a freak of nature, and when they were at their peak, was undoubtedly the greatest at their position for that time. Rob Gronkowski, there was four years where he was, without a doubt, the best tight end in the NFL. And they were winning Super Bowls and the big playoff moments. There was without a doubt four or five years where Calvin Johnson was the undisputed best wide receiver in the NFL. And you saw what he was doing every Sunday on a bad franchise and literally keeping them afloat. And an elite, unique talent. Elite, unique talent. And we're talking about non-quarterbacks here. This is other interesting dilemma here with this uh, Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. So then you look at a guy like Julian Edelman, you say, okay, well, where does he fit in that Patriots dynasty? The only other Patriots who have been part of this like Super Bowl dynasty run for this 20 years were in the Hall of Fame, Ty Law and Randy Moss. But Randy Moss was there for the years where they didn't win the Super Bowls. But you'd argue that Randy Moss was – was. The key piece in that middle level of the dynasty, keeping New England extraordinarily relevant in those middle years, where they didn't win the Super Bowls, they didn't win the rings, but they were always in the AFC Championship game, losing to one of the uh, you know one of the Manning brothers. Either in the Super Bowl or in the AFC Championship game, you know, or right there, you know, preventing and keeping people like Big Ben and others from getting to more Super Bowls. So who else deserves from New England to be in that Hall of Fame consideration? I would argue that Julian Edelman is that next guy. You know, was he more important in the Patriots dynasty than a Teddy Bruschi? A lot of people argue a Teddy Bruschi should be in. Or, you know, what about a Richard Seymour? Some of these other guys. It's really interesting then. And part of the reason why this is an interesting conversation is because of how New England has always set themselves up. Belichick let guys go before they you know, got the kind of whirlwind retirement tour. He was cutting Richard Seymour, cutting Chandler Jones, letting these guys move on before they were too old. And even then, we see it now with Brady. So I think historically, New England's going to be what we think of as the greatest football dynasty ever and this incredible 20-year run that will never be matched again. But they also will will not get Hall of Famers out of it because it was a system. And I think it even goes to show even more why how unique Belichick and Brady are and why they are their own goats. is They did it at a time when you look back on it in 40 years, we'll look back on the New England Patriots from 2000 to 2020, and you'll say the Hall of Famers from that dynasty that won six Super Bowls, Belichick and Brady, our Gronk, you know, for a short time, Randy Moss, Ty Law early, but he was gone by 2004. That's pretty much it. And maybe Julian Edelman sneaks in. I would I would So there's that to put into the context. And then you say, okay, just purely based on Julian Edelman's career, I think it's really hard because you have to look at Heinz Ward. I think hein, Heinz Ward is a great comp. He's another guy that big catches, big moments, playoffs, A tough, gritty football player type—you know, almost similar like quarterback, gritty slot receiver—you know, big moments, Super Bowl MVP. And let's be honest, Heinz Ward sets blow Julian Edelman's out of the water. And Heinz Ward is is I think third or fourth, like right there, close to Julian Edelman in the playoff statistics, because that's where you make Julian Edelman's argument, right? Is look, well, look what he did in the playoffs. Well, yeah, he had a lot more opportunities to be in the playoffs, and that wasn't necessary. he was certainly a part of why they got to the playoffs. You know, it's it's a it's a catch 22. I think Julian Edelman's one of those guys that, you know, in maybe, you know, 10, 20, 30 years on like a, a, a smaller group or there's less of a big names, he could be one of those legend guys that you sneak in because you need to honor a little bit more of the New England Patriots dynasty in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I'd put uh, as a first ballot. I mean, and honestly, he's Dion Branch. If you look at Dion Branch's stats from the early part of the New England dynasty, Super Bowl MVP, their stats are almost identical. And, and as great as Julian Edelman was as an all-time great football player, I think Julian Edelman is just another case in point study for what we have to look at as we start to now put some historical context on the New England Patriots dynasty. I know it's only 2021. I know we're only a year a little over a year removed from the end of the Brady Belichick era of the greatest football dynasty we've ever seen. And it's 20 years that we have to digest from 2000 to 2020, but it's also I think now really important to start seeing Julian Edelman is a case important of, of of you know a microcosm of how we're going to historically put the New England Patriots into context. And I think it goes to show even more credit why Belichick and Brady are so unique, so much goats at their own way, and why you're going to have a lot of these guys who, uh, Wes Welker, Julian Enelman, Dion Branch, uh, you know, Teddy Bruskies, these guys who were really, really good players. Like, they first ballot hall of very good, but the New England system benefited them for they benefited from it they got rings they got money they got acclaim. we talk their names how often do we talk about you know uh a Lance Briggs who I would argue is a better player than a Teddy Bruschi but Bruschi gets more talk more more faces on you know ESPN and because he's part of the New England dynasty and you got to talk New England so it's a really interesting uh, case study that we're going to start here now over the next you know, rest of our lives trying to put into context for younger generations and ourselves. How do we look back in the new England Patriots dynasty? That's really interesting. At least I think it's interesting. That's why I spent 15 minutes talking about it. All right. Uh, you're listening on the mark here. Talk 1070 KHMO and the KHMO app brought to you by Cunis Honda Hyundai. It's a rainy day in the tri-states, but stop by Cunis Honda Hyundai, 221 North 36th street, or visit them at the 10th sale there at the Quincy town center. So to recap that first point, yes, I think Julian Edelman eventually could be in the Hall of Fame. Am I going to sit here and dine a hill and and stomp for him? No, but I am going to use him as a case study for the New England Patriots dynasty. Uh, So there you go. When we come back, Trevor Lawrence, really interesting quote from him. It's being dissected. I have some thoughts on it as well. Uh, that on the way. You're listening on the mark on Newstalk 1070 KMO and the KMO app.
1: We at North Adams, State back. Spring is here, and along with sun and warmth, you can expect post-winter road hazards like potholes, uneven pavement, springtime showers, and an increased number of cyclists and pedestrians. Did you know that 2018 was the deadliest year for pedestrians since 1990? This spring, slow down on wet roads, avoid potholes, and stay on the lookout for pedestrians and cyclists. For more driving safety tips, visit driversed.com. Take us anywhere. Hometown Newstalk 1070 KHMO. Mo and the free KHMO mobile app for your smartphone.
2: I'm Dr. Michael Norrell with the African American Wellness Project. While you need to be concerned about the risk of coronavirus, especially in the African American community, don't forget to schedule your regular doctor visits. Especially if you've got a chronic disease like asthma, diabetes, heart disease, or cancer. And If you're going out, wear your mask and keep a social distance. And try telehealth visits. For more information on what tests you need at any age, visit our website at awellnessproject.org. Hey, folks, this is Robert Carey inviting you to join Mary, Rudy, and me each Sunday as we talk to travel newsmakers, share insider tips, and experience the world of travel together on your RM World Travel Connection. 9
3: to 11 on KHMO and KHMORadio.com.
0: KHMO and the free KHMO mobile app. All right, welcome on back to On The Mark here on Newstalk 1070 KHMO and the KHMO app brought to you by Kunis Honda Hyundai. I've been talking about the tent sale. Go check them out at the Quincy Town Center today. Uh, Get incredible deals. They are making Moves and and uh, they want to make deals on a rainy Saturday here in the tri-state. So stop by, tell them Mark sent you, and uh, and and check them out online. Check them out on Facebook or just stop by the dealership as well. Two twenty-one North 36th Street in Quincy. Faith family giving back. That's Cunis Country. All right, so I move on from the New England dynasty and Julian Edelman uh, to a kid who I am so excited about <laughs> watching him play football. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor Lawrence uh, is going to be what we talk about here in Hespin headline number two. Hespin's Headlines on the mark. So the headline is, and it's a headline grab that everyone's been grabbing at. Trevor Lawrence in an interview uh Sports Illustrated and basically was very candid and came out and said, I have no chip on my shoulder. And then you get the pushback, whoa, hey, oh, no. Hey, I don't oh. What do you mean you know Chip? And he talks about how winning a Super Bowl isn't his end-all, be-all. And that football is a is a part of his life. And his dad went on to say that, you know, he, he's a well-rounded kid and all this stuff. And, and now people start putting on the – like freaking out. Whoa, how can you draft a guy number one overall who's not like a live and breathe? I'm going to kill for a Super Bowl. That's all I want in my life. Well, what I really think is it's great. I love the candidness from Trevor Lawrence. And I love the honesty. The thing I hate the most when talking about just people in life or people in general is people who are disingenuous and people who you could tell are not being authentic. I've always said it with this show, with anything I do, whether it's on kick FM, whether it's on, uh, whether it's on this show, whatever I do, whatever content I ever put out there, or just, you meet me at a bar and we're hanging out and grabbing a drink. I will always be a hundred percent authentically myself. And, and I know that that means there's going to be plenty of people who hear me on the radio right now and are like, oh, Lord, I can't take this guy. He drives me crazy. And I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with people not being okay with me and who I am and what I stand for and what I like and, and what I get to talk about. And I am so thankful that you get a guy like a Trevor Lawrence who comes out and he's just being authentically himself. And I do think there is also – I agree with uh, some of the comments here on our uh, Facebook live stream. Tyler, like, yeah, there's there's a level of Trevor Lawrence also saying, hey, I'm going to meet – there's a reason why Jacksonville is the number one overall pick, and I love football, and I can't wait to get there, but I'm not going to sit here and start saying, I'm going to bring five Super Bowls to Jacksonville, and I'm going to be better than Tom Brady, and Jacksonville is going to be the greatest dynasty you ever see. I also think he is. There's there's a real honesty to him and what he's saying, and he is going into this process with incredible expect with just setting the expectations for himself in a really incredible way. And I also think you have to put yourself in Trevor Lawrence's shoes, and I know that's hard for all of us to do, because Trevor Lawrence has been the number one QB prospect since he was 15 years old. He could have gone to any school. He was started as a freshman at any school. He played for multiple national championships in the biggest stages. And, and everyone from the biggest of the Mel Kuypers and the Tom McShays in the draft world have been saying for years, Trevor Lawrence would have been the number one QB over Joe Burrow last year. He'd been the number one QB over the other, you know, the other guys two years ago. I mean, this is over Baker Mayfield and all those guys, even as a freshman. So, if Trevor Lawrence came out and did interviews, was like, no one believes in me, and I, all I care about is uh, is dominating Super Bowls, and you have no idea, do, I'm going to prove all the haters wrong, I'd be like, well, what the heck is this kid talking about? The, literally, he has no haters. We are sitting here, and you debate on these shows uh, on 24-hour sports networks, and we do it on our show. About Justin Field and, and, and Zach Wilson, and we debate about Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And you don't talk about Trevor Lawrence. Because Trevor Lawrence has been the number one pick with whatever team had to pick as soon as he was able to come out. And I and I respect Trevor Lawrence's honesty. And and yes, I think Trevor Lawrence is the type of guy. That can be that candid. And we saw him, remember, during the COVID of this past year. He was one. Him and Justin Fields, both were two of the people like, I'm putting my name on the line. Saying, what do I have to do to get football to happen? I love this sport. I love this game. Trevor Lawrence didn't need to play this year. You had guys like Jamar Chase sitting out. Other people, uh, Penny Sewell sitting out. Big name people who were going to go in the top 10 of the draft. Trevor Lawrence did not need to play. Trevor Lawrence could have gotten, uh, you know, injured. But the kid plays football because he loves football. And Trevor Lawrence's actions and what he does on the field are going to speak a lot more volumes for me than him saying, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. If that freaks you out, then then I don't know, I don't think you're watching enough tape and you're not watching enough film or you didn't watch enough college football. Trevor Lawrence, if he fails in the NFL... It's not going to be because he doesn't love football and his work ethic's not there. He also went on later to say in the interview that he does want to be the greatest of all time, like that is his goal, and he said that since a young age, like his goal in high school when he's you know was being recruited heavily was that like yeah, my goal is to be the greatest to ever do this you know i, I, I he's got that mentality. I also love you know I love 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 that Trevor Lawrence is sitting there and that he is. Um, just got married, you know, he's 21, 22 years old, just married, you know, his, his uh, college, I think high school, but college sweetheart. Like that's maturity. Uh, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. He has no off the field issues at all. If anything, you could say he's extraordinarily forward thinking, great face of the franchise. I, I don't get, I, you're not going to hear any Trevor Lawrence slander from me at all. I, I cannot wait to watch this kid play football, and it doesn't bother me at all that he said what he said about not having a chip on his shoulder. I think it's honest. I think it's real, and I think he's going to be extremely fun to watch, and I can't wait to see what him and um, and Urban Meyer uh, look like next year in Jacksonville. I think they're going to be one of the top three, four storylines for me going into next year, We'll ta- and we'll obviously talk about it as we get close to the season and what I'm excited for, but I think that's going to be a huge line in that. You know, and I agree, uh, you know, uh, Tyler commenting on the kick, uh, on the, uh, Facebook live stream here. I, I was, anyone, you know, Mac Jones being compared to Tom Brady. I, they, they, you know, I hate, I hate these comparisons. I, I will never give, you're never going to sit here and, and have me say, oh, I think someone is like that and I compare them a Hall of Famer. I just won't do it because it's not fair to those kids, not fair to the, the prospect. And I certainly, you know, I you just don't know how things are gonna turn out. I can say, hey, his ceiling could be something that's similar to this, but I would never use Tom Brady as a comp because you just can't. I mean, how can you how can you comp a guy six Super Bowls, but like seven super seven Super Bowls? But yeah, he's kinda of like Tom Brady. His ceiling's Tom Brady. Yeah, no one's ceiling is Tom Brady. Tom Brady's stealing, it's not Tom Brady. He's done something, it's insane. Uh, so there you go. I, you know, Again, I, 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 we talked about quarterbacks last week. I wanted to mention this because this quote, I, I, I'll say it again, Trevor Lawrence is my number one quarterback. I would go Justin Fields two. Uh, I would go Trey Lance three, Zach Wilson four, and Mac Jones five. Those are the guys, in my eyes, if I'm drafting, I'd want, and my big board. And I know a lot of people say Wilson, Wilson. I, I love Fields. Bigger, stronger, faster, and uh, and Trey Lance, I think, just has so much upside. Trey Lance to me could be Josh Allen in two years, and we could all be looking and be like, how in the Lord's name did that guy not go one overall? I mean, th- you know, that's what you think about Josh Allen now when you see him. You're like big, strong, rocket arm, mobile but physically mobile, not like shifty mobile, it, it, you know. So I get it. I'm banking on upside with Trey Lance. I've said this, but I, I'm willing to take that risk. All right. Uh, when we come back from break number two, we're going to jump into NBA talk. Let's get out of football, go into the NBA, uh, some big injuries over the past week, uh, update of retirement in the NBA as well. Uh, and, you know, you got to start looking at some of these uh, win totals as we're getting towards the, closer to the playoffs here. With you know uh, the season starting to wind down, and some of these standings, it's very interesting. If you haven't been standings watching in the NBA, we'll check in on it. I'll give you some thoughts about where some teams are and and what I think here as we're going into the final uh, stretch of the NBA season. You're listening on the Market News Talk 1070 KMO, the KMO, oh, excuse me, KMO app. Brought to you by Qness Honda Hyundai.
2: Our veterans risked it all to protect our freedoms and now they need our help as we all fight the coronavirus. At an unprecedented time in history, our most vulnerable veterans are isolated at hospitals, and during their greatest time of need, their family, hospital volunteers, and staff can have little or no contact with them. Being alone can be terrifying, but we all can help. Help Yield Veterans with the support of citizens like you creates, manufactures, and distributes therapeutic art and craft projects for our veterans and military at no charge to them. We invite you to join us in supporting an isolated or sick veteran and help them through this desperate time. To learn more, visit HealVets.org. This message is furnished by Help Heal Veterans, a not-for-profit organization that has been helping veterans for nearly 50 years. HealVets.org. Hi, I'm
3: Marion Platt. Welcome to Heartbeat. Fear is a natural chemical reaction in our brains. The amygdala is a part of the brain that activates when we sense a threat and causes the body to have a physical response. However, the hippocampus is a part of the brain that then helps our brains interpret the threat. So, if we were to see a T-Rex coming at us, we may instinctively be afraid. But then that fear is tempered by the fact that it's just a movie. This tempering of fear is the job of our faith. It's a filter through which we view our world. Fearful events and circumstances, reminding us that no matter what we see, God is in control. Heartbeat is brought to you by the Salvation Army.
1: What does defunding the police mean? Reduced police patrols and longer response times. More burglaries and more violent criminals. The National Police Association says let your local and state officials know. Find out more at nationalpolice.org. This is Larry Hanson. Ours today. Otherwise,
3: more clouds and sun. High temperatures reach up to 59. Winds out of the northwest, 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance for scattered rain showers tonight. Lows dip down to about 42, partly cloudy skies. Chance for scattered rain showers again tomorrow. Highs level off around 61, a mix of clouds and sun. Right now, 46.
0: Welcome on back to the Mark here on News Talk 1070 KHMO and the KHMO app brought to you by Cunis Honda Hyundai, your number one Honda and Hyundai dealer in the Tri-State area, 221 North 36th Street in Quincy. Tent sale going on now over at the Quincy Town Center, the artist formerly known as the Quincy Mall. Check them on out. They are making deals on this rainy day in the Tri-States. Tell them Mark sent you, uh, 221 North 36th Street in Quincy. You can always check them out there at the dealership as well. All right, uh, so let's focus in on the NBA. I want to start with some of the injuries, and it's a a bad place to start here in the NBA. And, you know, I think this is one of those things that we all kind of saw coming, right? When the NBA had such a short offseason, when you had that cramming it in to try to get to as many games as you can, and and I still respect them for going up to 72, Uh, and getting that many games in in this shortened, shortened offseason. You know, we've got LeBron out, AD's still out, KD was out for a long time, Harden now out. Uh, And now we have some real serious injuries with a Jamal Murray tearing his ACL. That one really bummed me out because Jamal Murray had such a great bubble, and Denver, you know, was doing really, really well, and Denver is that one team in the West besides... A Clippers that you think, wow, that would be a fun matchup with the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals because they can really throw guys at LeBron. And they're gaining experience. You know, you're, Denver is built so much how you want your NBA franchise to be built. Draft from within, grow your talent, make a couple key signings, and let these guys get playoff experience, more playoff experience, then Western Conference Finals experience, and then could have this been the year that they made it over the hump? Uh, and now, especially, you know, Terry Graysdale sale late in the season, You know, he may be back for a stretch run at this point in time next year, depending on where Denver's at. So that one really, that one really stinks. And, um, you know, he's just a fun player to watch. Big shot making, uh, physical guard, can play real defense. And so that one, that one really is a bummer for uh, Denver, Uh, for all all the Denver fans are there. How many Denver Nuggets fans are there? I, I don't really know, but it's a bummer for you. Um Donovan Mitchell just the other night rolling the ankle. Uh, it looks like it's not broken. Could be a a, a bad ankle sprain. They're going to get an MRI in here. And that's another one. Utah Jazz, they're number 1 in the West if you didn't know right now at 42 and 14. They're the one seed and now you lose your guy, your go-to guy, the guy that can just get you a bucket whenever and they're going to really need uh Rudy Gobert and and Joe Ingles and some of these other guys to step up. You know, Jordan Clarkson off the bench, can he move into that starting role and really uh, elevate his game while Donovan Mitchell rests on up and makes it healthy for a playoff run? This really opens the door, in my eyes, the Jazz, the Donovan Mitchell injury, opens the, my eyes to if the Phoenix Suns could be the one seed in the West. I mean, they're only a game and a half out. Uh, they're the healthiest team right now in the West. They're 9-1 and in their last 10. They're on fire, winning four straight. Is could Phoenix now overtake Utah and get to that one seed and have home court throughout for that young Phoenix team with a, with a Chris Paul? It's, it's going to be a fascinating storyline to watch in that regard. But it also is a bummer because I think this really does hurt the Jazz's chance as well. The Jazz in Denver, where those other, you know, those teams you think, would you be shocked at all if they're in the Western Conference Finals? No, not at all. Uh, but now – What does this do for the Jazz's chance uh, of, you know, the continuity going into the playoffs? Will Donovan Mitchell, what will his health be like when they start the playoffs? You know, it's not a great time of the season to get a bad uh, high ankle sprain or whatever it may be with the MRI reveals. Um, Same thing with the Heat and the Eastern Conference and Victor Oladipo. You know, that great trade to get Victor Oladipo. So excited to watch Oladipo with Jimmy Butler, two of the grittiest tough guys uh, you know, explosive, but just like hard-headed basketball players, physical defense-minded as well. Uh, he hurts his knee, and Will old Oladipo is getting all these second opinions. Will he be back for a stretch playoff run for Miami? Miami is interesting in the in the East. I think they are the team that cares the least about where they're seated in the East. Because of Jimmy Butler's mentality, and I, so I, I, I think that is something to watch for. You know, right now Miami is sitting there at the seventh seed in the East. I think they'd like to get into that six spot, overtake a New York or Boston, move up, so they don't have to do that weird play-in tournament thing. You know, that seven, eight, nine, and ten will have to do. But I, I don't think the Miami Heat are backing down from anyone. But that Victor Oladipo injury is in and itself a bummer as well, because then you start to say. Well, how are you going to – how are you going to have this continuity? You're going to throw Oladipo back in there. You're only playing for two or three games before he gets injured. And, you know, what's the mesh like for uh, adding an Oladipo back in for a playoff run if he even comes back for the playoff run? And then finally, LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, that was shocking news because I think all of us really see LaMarcus Aldridge on Brooklyn as like, oh, that's a total win. It's a total win for all sides. Brooklyn needs guys like that who can come in – take, you know, no money, give them real depth, a, a scoring option off the bench, veterans uh, who want to be a part of something that could be something really special. And for LaMarcus Aldridge, a guy who's a 15-year NBA vet uh, who had, you know, a seven-time All-NBA, multiple-time, you know, uh, uh, All-Star. And for a guy you just like, one of the great guys in the league who you like, everyone would be totally fine with him getting a ring... And, you know, adding that on is a a crown jewel to his career, which is a borderline Hall of Fame career. And for him to have, you know, the the irregular heartbeat, it makes all the sense in the world for LaMarcus to say, not worth it. Not worth the ring chasing. If LaMarcus was still in a prime spot or LaMarcus was still considered a top-tier all-star talent, then of course you'd be like, take the time. Can you get this figured out? Where? What are your options going forward? But for a 15 year NBA guy, 35 years old, LaMarcus Aldridge retiring off in the sunset, it's a bummer to see. And I, and I and I do think for a Brooklyn team that is in the bottom five defensively in the NBA, I think in a weird way this could help them because they Brooklyn to me right now has zero chance to winning the title. If they don't start to figure out defense in this last quarter of the season into the playoffs, because defense in the NBA in the playoffs is a real thing, because the refs let it get more physical, they 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 give you they don't get the calls as much, and while Brooklyn can score with anyone and probably outscore in a lot of games, they're going to win playoff series just outscoring people. How are you going to handle? stopping a Giannis, stopping a Joel Embiid when Kevin Durant is really your stopper. I mean, DeAndre Jordan, you have some bodies to throw at people, but they're just not gelling at all defensively. Kyrie hates defense. James Harden is allergic to defense. If Durant is your stopper, you don't want him to be because you want him to be your score. Want, you want him to just be, go get your bucket. Um, I So I, it's interesting. Right now, I am not high on Brooklyn and their chances to make it to the NBA Finals, certainly to win it purely because that. I think it's going to be the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm actually more excited than the Western Conference for the first time in a long, long time because of the storylines with Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Uh, and then I would include Miami in that as that fourth team. But then you have some really interesting – I mean, Boston's starting to figure it out. They've won five in a row, seven and three. They made it up to the five seed. Atlanta's really turned it on, seven and three in their last ten. Uh, you know, can they, you know, really drive one of these teams to a long playoff series, six, seven game or in the first round to, uh, put some, uh, to tire out one of the top three seeds. I think that's going to be all fascinating to watch as well. The other thing is you're looking, I just want to quickly mention here as we, we re get in touch with the NBA, so we're going to start to talk a lot more NBA in the show is that storyline of the seed watching. I think you're, you're, you're going to start looking at yourself going, wait a minute, Los Angeles, the Lakers. They're the fifth seed in the West right now. Well, so much of that has to do with the fact that AD and LeBron have been missing time. I don't think you're going to see LeBron until there's about like five, ten games to go. AD, it's reported that he may be coming back towards the end of this month uh, with like 15 games to go. You know, he gets a couple more just because he's missed some more time to get back into shape. Uh, But I don't worry about that at all. You know, the, the Lakers to me, are still right now, if AD and LeBron are healthy, by far and away, the favorites to win, uh, especially with the injuries now in the West. Uh, And it's going to be fascinating to watch. I I think the Clippers need some home court advantage more than you think. And and I do think the Philadelphia 76ers, for the first time in the three years now that Philly's been just hanging around, we've had high hopes for Philly, I, I, I really think Philly is the team to beat in the East. I mean, Ben Simmons should be the defensive player of the year. That's such a physical guard, uh, and so this could be a lot of fun to storylines to watch as we get toward close to the NBA. But you know, I think it is such a bummer that you have you know kind of three major injuries all within a week. You know, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, uh, obviously Oladipo, and then you losing Lamarcus Aldridge. It, it, it's it's It wouldn't shock me, and knock on wood, I'm not. I don't want this to happen. You don't root for injuries. It wouldn't shock me though if another big name guy misses some real time as we head towards the playoffs here because of this short and condensed NBA season with the short offseason. You're listening On the Market on Newstalk 1070 KHMO and the KHMO app. Final break of the show. Look at me. I'm actually on time for once here, uh, and I'm on time because I got a couple storylines here to wrap up the show that I want to get to all of them. So stick around. We'll talk a little baseball, uh, and we'll talk uh, back to the NFL. The win totals are out, so we want to get to that. And uh, and all of that on the way. We're live and local on Newstalk 1070 K H Moats on the mark.
4: Thank you, America. We know staying home isn't as easy as it looks. It's hard sitting out of family gatherings, missing out on milestones like graduation or the birth of a new family member. For many, staying home has meant job loss and financial hardship. People call healthcare workers heroes. You're a hero too. We're the infectious diseases experts fighting COVID-19 in hospitals, public health departments, and laboratories across the country. You're giving up a lot to keep yourself, your loved ones, and your community safe. It's not easy giving up things that were once part of everyday life going to work, eating at a restaurant, spending time with friends. When you stay home, you're helping us win the fight against COVID-19. Keep it up. We'll emerge strong and healthy together again. Sponsored by the Infectious Diseases Society of America Foundation. For more COVID-19 information, visit IDSAfoundation.org.
1: Equal opportunity, especially in the workforce, is the cornerstone of the American dream. Being employed gives us the confidence to be financially independent. There's real meaning in supporting ourselves and those we care about. We feel respected, useful, even empowered to become leaders. But what if you were one of the 6.5 million people in the U.S. with an intellectual or developmental difference such as autism? 81% of adults with developmental differences don't even have a paid job, and only about a third of the public believes they're capable of having leadership roles. Now is the time to change that. Join the Centrust Foundation in supporting Autism Speaks, Best Buddies, and Special Olympics in creating pathways to one million employment and leadership opportunities for this talented community by 2025. Together, we can build a broader workforce for the future. Visit DeliveringJobs.org to learn more.
0: Hometown News Talk 1070 KHMO. Welcome on back to on the Mark here on News Talk 1070 KHMO and the KHMO app, brought to you by Cunis Honda Hyundai. Ask about their complimentary lifetime powertrain warranty. Faith, family, giving back. That's Cunis country. That tent sale going on now at the Quincy Town Center, the former Quincy Mall. They'll be there all day making huge deals. Tell them Mark sent you. All right, uh, let's let's focus in on baseball. So I do want to mention, uh, really quickly, really, I, I thought this weekend, and there's still time. It was only one game, you know, one games into the weekend series here for the Cubs and the Cardinals. Cubs hosting Atlanta, Cardinals at Philly, and these are big, big series for both these teams, and bad starts. Cubs lost five two yesterday. Uh, Davies gets the loss for the Cubs. Uh, their offense is just hi- literally, historically bad, what we're seeing. And for the Cardinals, a-, a little bit of inconsistency, and you give up nine runs to a Phillies team. You-, you know, the Cardinals go into Philly. You're both six and six in these early season series. We say to yourself, hey, we want to start pulling away, and we want to, you know, the Cardinals should beat a you know a, a Phillies team, and they still have time to take two or three of the you know the weekend and, and win the series. But it's a bad start for both these teams. You know, and I go back to the Cubs. You and the Braves are both underperforming right now. The Braves were the team in the NL that you thought, hey, they, this could be the one team that competes with the Dodgers, and they're off to you know a five and eight start, and you let them come into Chicago, get nine hits, and score five runs. And win the opening game of that series, and uh, you know it's just it's just bad. It's just bad baseball right now. Uh, certainly for the Cubs, it's historically bad offense, and I agree uh, with some of the comments here on the on the Facebook Live. Rizzo, to me, at this point, I, actually KB. I've I've enjoyed Chris Bryant early in the season. I love Baez. I love Rizzo. I love Contreras. I love Bryant. I I, I would love for them all to be Cubs for life. But right now they're just not earning it. No one is doing enough offensively to earn being that cub for life. I would just sign Rizzo, of course, just because I think Rizzo is a stalwart and is a, you know could just be a, that next you know Cubs all time great. If you don't, if you let him walk away and play five years somewhere else in his career, I just think that's one of those things where you as a franchise you need to think about that. You know, it's a lot like the Cardinals. You know, it's so smart of them what they've done with Yachty and Wainwright, like. Just, you know what, maybe it's not the best for your baseball team at times, um, Carpenter, but it's great for your fan base and it's great for your, just your franchise overall being to keep a guy like that. And I think Rizzo is the one guy. Uh, if Baez, if KB, if Contreras don't end their careers Cubs, we won't think of that as like a, a historically m- bad mistake as Cubs fans, we will with Rizzo. There's just a tie. There's a love for Rizzo, and and he's earned it. But I, you know, for the Cubs and the and the Cardinals, they, I I feel like these are it's I it's too early to say must win series, but I kind of feel like they they kind of feel like must win early series. Like the Cardinals bouncing back and getting the next in the next couple against the Phillies, and the Cubs getting the next couple against the Braves. I think huge for them. Huge for them. And and the other thing is, neither of them are dealing with like historic injuries. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, slow start, but they're going to get all these guys back. That's what scares me uh, for both the Cubs and the Cardinals early on right now. And then I do want to mention, I mean, the Dodgers, good Lord, 12-2. and two, uh, They are just pumping people. And I would add some swear words to that, but I'm not going to because I don't want to get fired, but they are just pumping people. And I really feel as though the Dodgers, what we could be watching is something special. And I get it that they, you know now Bellinger's got that hairline fracture; he may miss a month or two. That could slow this historic pace run. But they got so many other guys. I I don't know if you're going to see them missing Cody Bellinger that much. I mean, you, yeah, you're going to miss a guy who's a an MVP candidate. But I this is this Dodgers team is scary, and the, the NL Central is just bad. And, and, you know, and and shout out to the, the Reds coming out on fire. And Nick Castellanos, I, I hate watching him play because he's one of those guys just like, it kills me that he's not still in a Cubs uniform. Uh, I do want to shout out to Hideki Matsuyama winning the Masters last weekend. I talked a lot of Masters in the show last week, and you said to yourself, you know, Mark, none of the things kind of happened that you talked about, these guys showing up. But the, I do think the golf world got really lucky that Hideki Matsuyama had a all-time weekend because that was great storylines, great publicity for the game of golf and growing the game of golf in a golf crazed country like Japan already. He's going to, you know, he's royalty. He's their Tiger Woods right now. He's absolute royalty uh, as the first male Japanese player to win uh, a green jacket. And I think that, uh, I I think that was enough. It was certainly got me and I was all in, even though it looked like he had it throughout the weekend. Uh, I, I was all in Amatsuyama and I think he was he could be a great ambassador for the game of golf, and now a name that more casual golf fans will know. Like, oh, yeah, the, the Japanese golfer Matsuyama, green jacket, historic. That's I think that's still overall not a big, as big of a win for golf if it would have been a Jordan Spieth or a Dustin Johnson or a Brooks Kepka on one knee, but I, I still think a win for golf. Uh, and then finally, NFL win totals. I don't have a ton of time here. I, I may... I may save a lot of this for a, a later show as we get close to the season, but let me just say this: the the NFL win Turtles come out, and my instant gut reaction is like, okay, what's a good bet? What's a bad bet? And remember, there's 17 games now, so winning 10 games, you're 10 and seven. I feel like the Buffalo Bills at 10 and a half, I would take the over. That's like one that really stands out to me. That Buffalo should win 11 games. Like Buffalo should be at least 11 and 6 next year. You know, I still don't love the AFC East. I think it's still shaky in parts. They have the best quarterback in that division by far. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, Buffalo 10 and a half sticks out to me. And another one on the low end that sticks out to me is I really feel like you're going to get some value at Atlanta at seven wins. I, you don't think Atlanta could be eight and nine? I, you know, I, I I just, I don't know, nine and eight. Atlanta at seven wins to me feels low. That feels pretty low. And the Eagles at six and a half, I'd take the under. I'm dead serious on that one too. And honestly, Houston at four and a half, I might take I might take a flyer in the under for that. And shout out to the Lions. I, they're at five. I, I think the Lions win more than five games next year. I'll go, I'll put that out on, on a limb as well. I'll put that out there. So there you go. Uh, you know I love these NFL win totals early on. It's pre-draft, so I'm just seeing value right now. If you're looking to make a long-term bet pre-draft, because these will these will change as you know as you get close to the season and injuries and pre-draft and all that stuff. I, I just see Buffalo. I, I, they should win 11 games, uh, and I really think Atlanta is going to win more than seven. And you get some. I you can get some value there. And Detroit, I'm going to go the over. I think they win more than five games, so there you go. All right, that's going to do it for me on this rainy Saturday in the Tri-States. I appreciate everyone making me a part of their Saturday morning on the mark. course, brought to you by Kunis Honda Hyundai, uh, 221 North 36th Street in Quincy. Tent sale going on. Uh, tell them Mark sent you. Follow on the mark on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Hesman, M-A-R-K-H-E-S-P-E-N. Got a lot of baseball to watch this weekend. A lot of baseball to watch this weekend. Got a little Premier League to watch this weekend. Some great NASCAR this weekend as well. We'll definitely have some fun with that. Uh, To wind down this final minute, I do want to mention um, that uh, I think I want to shout out to ESPN. I thought that was great coverage of the WNBA first round of the draft. I thought it was fun to watch. I was tuning into that a little bit. I think drafts are just so much fun in every sport. You get to watch the family, and they're freaking out, and grandma's going crazy, and you know kids are screaming in the background. I think it's great. I'm so excited to watch the NFL draft here in a couple weeks, and I, and I love there's going to be some people live, some people doing the stream at home. Uh, Cleveland, this one's for you. It's good. I think it'll be fun to watch. I, I you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a draft nerd, so we'll have more draft talk next week for sure, and hopefully, no more major NBA injuries to talk about. On the Mark News Talk 1070 KMO, Kchmo app follow on the mark on on Twitter on Instagram on Facebook have a great rest of your week
2: this is Larry Hansen General-